My fellow teachers, how many times have you had this happen to you? You've worked hard to follow all the departmental, district, and special education plans to help your students. You've worked on pedagogy to bring the struggling students up and have honed your classroom management skills to engage all of your students from the best and brightest to the lower end performing and struggling students. You reach your wit's end because of parent complaints and student attitudes. What are you supposed to do about it? That's what we're going to discuss on this episode of the Non-Traditional Teachers Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Non-Traditional Teachers Podcast. My name is Dustin Watson. I'm glad you found the show. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about frustration with students. Now, I'm not going to do the same type of episode again so soon. No. This week, I want to focus on teacher frustrations with parents, teacher frustration with policies, and what we as classroom teachers can do to thrive and survive. Let's begin with our frustrations with parents and with the public. Teachers, we are the only white-collar job that is paid blue-collar money. That's right. That right there is enough to make you want to scream and shout. But I got to tell you, I have two college degrees working on a third, a professional certification, and I make $38,000 a year as a base salary. According to ZipRecruiter, someone with my level of education, a master's degree, should make around $52,628 a year in the state of Missouri. Honestly, just typing that down and seeing it in front of me generates frustration. Yet, we are bombarded by politicians calling for mass reforms to education, none of which involve paying us the amount of money that a professional with our levels of education deserves. In fact, many state legislatures, especially those leaning into the rhetoric of former, pres- former President Donald Trump, are doing all they can do to destroy the public education system by cutting funding and trying to take public education dollars, as limited as they are, and put them into the private educational sector. If you're curious about some references for the things I'm speaking of here, please see my show notes on uh, wherever you're getting the podcast. I have provided my sources there. As a former journalist, I don't just say things. I back them up with facts and reliable sources, as you'll see in the show notes. We've also seen a call for complete control to be handed from the state to the local board of education, including classroom curriculum and the content actually being taught by individual teachers. Last time I checked, we as teachers are the experts, but still, we see this often. Parental rights, parental rights, parental rights. That's the cry. Now let me ask you a question. Do the lowest of our students have amazing home lives with stellar parents who are reading to their kids every night and working them through their math facts? Do they encourage their kids into lines of critical thinking? Sadly, many times, the answer to this question is no. So whose fault is it when the kid isn't doing well or behaving? Well, it's ours. You see, teachers, in the 47 minutes we have with kids every day, if you're in my district, we are to teach them how to learn how to behave, how to act ethically, and then on top of it, teach them English, math, science, social studies, and our elective courses. Since we have them for eight hours in total, I guess it's just up to us to do the raising. Now, I am the proud father of two amazing young women. 
My oldest daughter is 21 years old and graduated in December with a bachelor's degree in English. My youngest daughter is getting ready to graduate high school in just a month and a half, it feels like at this point, and is headed into the pre-med program. She wants to be a psychiatrist. They didn't get there because my wife and I are perfect. We're far from it. They didn't get there because they had the right last name. In fact, probably as when I was a journalist around here, my last name probably hurt them. They got there with hard work, dedication, and a work ethic that my wife and I instilled in them. But this could be becoming the minority in some situations. Lastly, we're seeing a big pendulum swing in uh, the social status of America towards the alt-right methodology. Uh, We're even seeing it in our youngest students. The MAGA movement has its followers, and any hints of liberalism in the classroom are met with complaints to administrators and the Board of Education. Heaven forbid any teacher try to encourage critical thinking and raise points of view that don't state what parents are force-feeding into their kids. It's truly enough, ladies and gentlemen, to frustrate any reasonable person. that's enough complaining. Let's move on to some solutions. First of all, teachers, please understand this. In most cases, your administration is not your enemy. I'm pretty blessed. I have an amazing principal and the three superintendents for whom I have worked in my career are also great. And if you hear snickering in the background, that's my applied seniors because they disagree with that statement. Uh, I do not delude myself to think at all that I am put unfairly upon by my district, but I do see the frustrations I've mentioned in the previous segment expressed by other teachers in the district, as well as online and in several teaching subreddits that I frequent. With that out of the way, how do we manage to reach the lowest level students, and how can we reach the more politically indoctrinated students without losing our jobs? First, we have to remember the wise words that I have previously paraphrased in this podcast by renowned philosopher John Cena. In an interview with Chris Van Vliet, Cena was asked about how he is successful in life, and he said, I control what I can control. Now, I know I've talked about this, but we don't control as teachers how students are being raised at home. We don't control the political climate legislatively among public education. But we control how we educate our students and how we engage them. So my audience, I offer to you something incredible, the book Teach Like a Champion by Doug Lemon. Links to, the, uh, to purchase this item on Amazon are in the show notes. Personally, I bought this book for my oldest daughter because she wants to be an English teacher, as I've talked about before. I have read the 2.0 version and listened to its audiobook several times. It is now in a 3.0 version, which is the one I have linked for you. So to help engage all of our students, I recommend a combination of a couple of strategies from Teach Like a Champion. First, I recommend using the no opt out option. This is where if a student tries to shrug their shoulders and look at you and just go, oh no, to a question you ask in class, you have to consider one. Maybe they don't know. All right, I can fix that. But a lot of students are simply saying, I don't know, to try and get out of doing any work or participating in class. Here's a quick rundown of the technique. When a student says they don't know, you let them know, I'll come back to you. Then you ask the same question to a different student. Pick one who you know probably has the answer. Then go back to the student who opted out of participating 
and have them repeat the answer that was given by the student who gave a correct answer. After this, praise the student who originally tried to opt out to make sure, to help for, in helping you make sure that all the students in the class heard the answer. Second technique, cold call. That just means randomly calling on students. You'll have to use no opt-out after a cold call many times. I use a deck of cards for my cold call because I want to randomize the students who are chosen in my class as often as possible. I have 13 tables in the room I'm sitting in right now, and I have 13 cards in a single suit of a deck of cards. The students who are sitting on the door side of my tables, because I only have two seats per table, are the red cards. The students who are sitting on what we call the wall side are the black cards. That means every student has a couple chances to be completely called on if I randomize all calls in a class period. This encourages us to make sure that we are not picking on anyone. It eliminates student complaints that the teacher's being unfair in how we choose who's answering questions. It can discourage some of the kids who are always getting their hand up, but I find that this is why I only use the random picks occasionally and not for every single question I ask. Lastly, how do we encourage critical thinking without raising the pitchforks and torches that both the left and right wing politically motivated parents and community members are apt to feel when they get offended? I recommend the following to help us all, and I found they work really well for me. One, teach the critical thinking is a necessary skill to succeed in the real world. Part of the process of learning is having your thoughts challenged. Two, keep things respectful. Mind that everyone has a position and an opinion. Be an example of how you can have discourse without getting emotionally worked up. Three, relate your examples to the real world and pick on both sides. No political ideology is perfect. So the more that you can point out examples of people dropping the ball as far as logic and critical thinking, then you help yourself to show balance, even if you have to force it a little bit sometimes. Fourth, be transparent. And that means being transparent with your students, your admin, and your community. Make sure that you have communicated the importance of critical thinking over political viewpoints uh, for your classroom. Gener you're just trying to generate discussion, and you're just trying to get the kids to practice critical thinking skills. I tell the kids to help them kind of understand these things that as someone who hired and fired people for 15 years, critical thinking was something that I used as an evaluation tool to see who was really going to be able to make the cut and do their jobs. If you were someone who could not think critically, you were probably the first person I was going to look to remove if I had to make a budget cut. That tends to be something that gets the attention of students, whether they're college bound or career bound. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that should do it for another episode of the Non-Traditional Teachers Podcast. I want to thank you for listening wherever you found us. And if you've been recommended this podcast and have not uh, subscribed yet, please do. And if the podcatcher of your choice lets you rate, love to have you leave a positive comment and a high rating. Uh, please send any questions you may have about what we talk about here on the podcast to the email for the show, promoter.mcw at gmail.com. And I will include them in this final segment of the show 
for a mailbag segment. I also have a Q&A or a poll on Spotify for each episode at this point. And remember, we drop brand new episodes every single Monday at 8 a.m. U.S. Central Time. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.